Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted to be having a second talk, a return visit from comics creator Paul Fricky. Paul, welcome to the podcast, or welcome back, I should say. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here uh, to see you again and talk both. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it is a toth center talk, and the last time we talked, yeah, I I sort of approached it, and we were talking about your comics work and um, the things that you've done. But one of the things that we came around to was the fact that you have your own podcast that centers around Alex Toth. So just curious, and, and I've listened to a couple of the episodes, and uh, we'll make some references here and there. But just curious about what it was about Alex Toth's style and um, his contributions that really drew you in to sort of focus on him. Yeah. That's what. Um, you know, I was familiar with his work before I knew his name as a kid in a variety of ways in cartoons on TV and, and, uh, in, in comics. Um, probably I saw some of his work when I was 19. Uh, and then I was really hooked and I connected the work with the name. Mm -hmm. um, about 10, 12 years ago, I started blogging and that wasn't enough and bringing him up and teaching him in class wasn't enough. So that's why I started um, the podcast and video show, Alex Toth in depth. So yeah. I, there's so many aspects of his work. I just think he does everything well and in many cases better than most. Mm -hmm. So that can be in terms of design, uh, using design in service of storytelling. It can be his character design, which he did for a lot of uh, um, you know, early uh, TV animated shows. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But all, and then, you know, he could just draw like crazy <laughs> on top of the design <laughs> and he, he would crop images and frame them up and compose them differently than other people. Um, he was very versatile and tried a lot of different genres. And he uh, approached how he drew um, and laid out the page and lettered differently all the time. He seemed very restless in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then all of that is in the service of storytelling. So he, he just told a story like no one else too. So when you take all that, every... When you take all that and put it together, and every time I look at his work, I just get jazzed because it not only is done well, in my view, mm -hmm. but it's got a unique stamp as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching one episode in particular where you were talking about his line, and I'm one of those people, like, I appreciate music, but I can't pick apart the different instruments. And uh, being in the comics profession as you are uh, and have been, you kind of pick up on the music of that more than I do. I look at something and I go, oh, that's cool. I like that. And I'm not exactly sure why. But one of the things that was really interesting to me was you were pointing out that there's both kind of a straight edge to uh, some of his work, as well mm -hmm. as a rounded sort of almost playfulness at the same time, um, which sounds mm -hmm. like it would be it would be difficult to accomplish both in the same composition. Yeah, it, it is. And he has a different way of putting down line than everybody else too. Most people in comics are dealing with, um, and again, with inking, right? Most of the time uh, mm -hmm. with thick and thin lines and they're achieving depth in a two dimensional, on a two dimensional page in, in that way. Mm -hmm. And instead he does it with design and spotting blacks on a page. And then with his use of line, 
there are, if you look at his very early work, um, he's very precise. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. using like tech pens and all the drawing is great, but he's it's a little stiff in places, but it's really great. And then after he comes back from the Korean War in the late 50s, he's using a brush and he's moving quickly and he loosens up like crazy. For the rest of his career, he did some kind of combination of that. Uh, there's some um, um, drag strips, uh, car- cartoons uh, that he did with cars and everything else uh, in the early to mid 60s. Mm-hmm. And he's using markers for most of that stuff, but he plays with different ways of de- dealing with tone and everything else. And he's just having a blast on the page. And it's very loose stuff. He could, in my estimation, fit into uh, the Mad Comics, Mad Magazine mm-hmm. gang, gang of Idiots. And he's that good that he can do, you know, tight romance stories and then adventure and 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 then do this really far out, like, <laughs> way out cool stuff that he did in, in the uh, in the drag strips. He, he, it's pretty amazing. And his line on that stuff is pretty crazy. But the last thing on line is that because a lot of times when people, when artists are going for that thick and thin line, um, it's very it's precise and there's a lot of feathering and modeling. Um, mm-hmm. And Toth doesn't seem to care about that. Uh, most of what he's doing is in his thinking about how he's telling the story and the choices he's made. And when he gets to executing it, he's just putting it down in the simplest way possible. And in some cases, when he's not doing that super tight thing, he kind of likes it to look like he just put it down fast like mm-hmm. like anybody could have drawn that line but you know most of the time when i'm looking at toast stuff i think no one else could have drawn that line yeah, yeah. masterful masterful absolutely to me yes and, and you know he was known uh he's not he's known as an artist artist mm-hmm. and he was never a big fan favorite so a lot of the things that seem to appeal to people is detail and a lot of things going on that was certainly true uh, in in some cases in the 50s with uh, ec artists that, that was true um in the 60s and 70s with marvel artists uh, other artists were more popular like t- say um uh, wally wood instead of toth in the 50s or neil adams <laughs> instead of toth in the 60s or 70s and then even more true uh in the image era and and, and uh, beyond um, and I just like the way he simplifies things and, and, and tries to boil things down to the essence, um, more than anyone else. And it's a good, a good model to follow in my view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, someone who worked across genres, I mean, several different types of stories. So I was curious about, uh, is there a particular world or take on comics worlds of his that you enjoy most of course i mentioned in my question space ghost is probably that for me um just because yeah and the, why is that is character. that did you grow up watching the, the cartoons did yeah. you watch the character do you like the design of space ghost or I, I think it's something in the design and i think it's because it's so reminiscent to me uh or i should say the batman animated series style mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. reminiscent i mean i remember when i wanted to make a space ghost action figure of my own as a kid i pretty much just took the batman animated figure and kind of filed the ears off mm-hmm. um and so there's just something about that i don't i don't know 
the the way that you might describe it but kind of an art deco meets futuristic i mean it's a really blending really interesting blending of styles and, and a fun character that later became a talk show host <laughs> yes and when i first started bringing up toth and showed space goes down the screen to the students there was laughter because mm -hmm. they just related that to uh coast to coast uh, now, when I show Space Ghost to students who are like 18, 19, they don't even have this, the coast-to-coast -coast reference. Right. So right. we're further removed. So I'm trying to keep the, the toad thing alive. Um, yeah, you know, Space Ghost was a big thing for me as a kid. Um, e even knockoff characters that he had a hand in, like Blue Falcon, uh, oh, yes. were big for me, too. Um, but I'm, I got to say, because he's not, other than Space Ghost and then Zorro and then his own Bravo for Adventure... He's not really associated with one character in regards to doing a big, uh, you know, long run on one character. He kind of bounced mm -hmm. around. He did do, you know, Space Ghost was on for what, a, a few seasons, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are there are those, even though his, you know, his actual art isn't in the cartoons. He's known for the design of that. And then he did for Dell in the late 50s, early 60s, about 230 pages of, of uh, Zorro work. Um, with, you know, in those, I don't love reading the stories. They're okay, but it's about him more than anything else. And so uh, almost unfailingly, when I'm looking at Toast's work, the, my favorite character in a Toast story is Toast. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I'm there because he did it. And, yeah. you know, we I can long for him for, you know, if he had done more Bravo or if he had done, a, a, you know, an adventure strip like he had uh, wanted to, like what, what was his dream and it never really panned out. Um, mm -hmm. But it is what it is. And, and so I just find I, I, I have favorite stories. Like he did a seminal story in the uh, early 50s with, that Harvey Kurtzman wrote called F-86 Sabrejet, which I think is a uh, one of the comics in comics history's greatest uh, stories. They, they're doing things in that. Um, that hadn't been done in comics and that only comics can do. And I, I did a whole episode on that. He did a, a Torpedo 1936 story, the first one he did um, with uh, an Italian a writer. And that is, to me, one of the best stories uh, in comics ever done just because of how he did it. And the story is actually a really good short story as well. It's mm -hmm. It's rough around the edges. It's not for everybody. You have to be ready for crime and noir and, and uh, a little male chauvinism. But but it's really it's really well done. And then other stories that he did either at Warren or at DC, like The Reaper is a great horror story he did for Warren. White Devil, Yellow Devil, written by Bob Kaniger, is is a it's a really really good um, uh, war story. And then uh, I have a favorite, too, called Soldier's Grave, which was another war story that I go back to all the time. I just think he told that in, in a way that, that no one else would have done. And then it, toward the end of when he stopped uh, drawing comics, he did a like a five-page comic called Taps. And it's mm -hmm. just a, a little guy uh, tap dancing. And it's an interaction between him dancing and then how the crowd and the audience react to them. And, and if, if they like it or if they reject him, and it's um, he did that in memory of a couple artists who had just died, Wally Wood, who I mentioned earlier, and Russ Manning. Wow. So it's kind of a really poetic little story. And I think it also is a commentary from Toth himself about 
how he felt about his art in in some fashion and how an audience might have reacted to him. There's a lot in that story, even though it's really simply done. But but I could go on. I could choose many, many more. You have an entire podcast all your own. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do have an outlet. <laughs> um, yeah, so curious. I mentioned the Batman animated series, of course, and I feel like that yeah. comparison gets made a lot. But other places where... Um, you see his influence prominently, uh, particularly now in the industry. Um, so briefly, he was involved in the early days of animation. So things like Clutch Cargo and Space Angel, he was involved with. He was a somewhat involved with Johnny Quest, which predates Space Ghost. So he's he kind of had his hands in that stuff to begin with. And then all those cartoons that he was uh, involved with, notably with Herculoids and Space Ghost and Super Friends, a generation of people uh, grew up watching that stuff and, and went on to um, either animation or uh, comics careers. Like you say, uh, Bruce Tim was heavily influenced by Toth in his designs for, for that show and others. And I don't think that show exists the way it is without Toth's influence. And then Batman Adventures has influenced many people after that in animation and i haven't met one character designer or prop designer that i know who's designed in, in animation uh that that doesn't cite toth as some kind of influence or, or at least an inspiration so i think his stamp is there no matter what if you look for it in animation and then in comics early on in his career he was like the style guide, he kind of set the template for those romance stories. So other artists were either told or did just ape him. Mm -hmm. um, and it, around that time, and like, was it 54 with Seduction of the Innocent and the mm -hmm. Senate hearings? Mm -hmm. yeah. Comics were in trouble. And a lot of people were either embarrassed to work in comics or were leaving. And Toth didn't leave. He just kind of charged up the hill. And John Romita and other artists said that they, that they kind of followed him because he kind of planted the flag and, and kind of showed the way. And, and, and so he was influenced. Then he's only in his early 20s and he was already setting templates and he was already showing people the way of how to do, do things. And then some of those young fans um, from the cartoons, like I said, grew up to do that. And there's a whole bunch I could name, like Steve Rude, um, mm -hmm. Howard mm -hmm. Chaikin, Michael Allred, um, Kevin Nolan, Eduardo Risso, David Masichelli, <laughs> a whole bunch of those people from that era carried on you could see that in their work from the 80s and 90s that they were toth uh, fans uh that they were influenced by his work and then had some kind of interactions with them and since then even more uh, yeah. paul pope and chris somney and phil hester and tanchi zanich if nobody's seen his work i would i would look dig up everything he's ever done because you can see a toth influence and you can see how he's taken and run with it his own way and then uh, I can name tons more, but my first guest um, in the third episode of Alex Toth in Depth was John Paul Leone, who mm -hmm. passed a couple years ago. So I'm very glad that I was able to talk with him and get him uh, on record so people could. Uh, we're just geeking out in that episode about our favorite artist. And I'm really, I feel blessed to have been able to do that. And um, boy, uh, I really recommend everybody check out the work of those other people as well because oh, yeah. uh they're carrying the torch oh absolutely absolutely and i highly recommend the the talk you did with paul pope as well oh, about toth yeah yeah just yeah, to, just to fast some interactions that. with with toth so and some uh, pen pal stuff um so that is an interesting conversation yeah
Yeah, yeah. Um, so by way of a, a final question, and we can hit anything that we missed, we'll make sure to share the link to your uh, mm -hmm. show as well. Um, curious about those other influences. I know that when you and I talked the first time, we talked a little bit about Toth, but we mm -hmm. also talked about Mike Parabek. Um, so curious about other people that you would point to and say, these people also have influenced where I am today in my style. Um, I, I work in a variety of styles over the decades, and I like that. It's not what publishers and editors and art buyers and uh, agents want you to do. They want you to kind of pick one style and, and brand yourself that way. But I felt that was creatively stifling. Yeah. Um, so I'm influenced by a whole bunch of people. My uh, Will Eisner was an early influence in my teens. I came across his, his work and his spirit stuff uh, was uh, still fresh to me, even though I discovered it 30, 40 years after he had done it. Um, and then with his contract with God right after that, he's he was a, a guy early in my career too, a model for me in regards to self-publishing, but also for how we um, uh, executed the the artwork on our self-published Trollords. Uh, Dave Sim was a big influence. Uh, and that wasn't exactly a Toth thing at all. It, I, I did the, the super detailed stuff first before I went to Toth. But then others, Jack Davis sometimes has been an influence. Uh, Chuck Jones, I, he's my favorite, uh, you know, uh, animator, mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Seuss. Uh, in my Night of the Bedbugs book, which was published by Image in 2010, uh, Jones and Seuss are probably the biggest influences on me in that. And that's completely different some, from other projects I've done uh, or from my current work. Um, and then in comics, I don't know, in my top, top is, along with Toth, is like Mazza Kelly, who I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, his big man and uh, and Daredevil and Batman work, Batman Year One and Asterios Polyp are, are big for me. Jaime Hernandez is in my top five uh, for comics in general. Uh, Darwin Cook. Uh, there's just mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of people. I try my best um, to learn what I can from mm -hmm. what other people are doing and then try to move on from it and do my own thing. That's especially hard for me with Toth. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's no way I can reach that anyway. <laughs> right. And right. I should be trying for my own thing, which is something Alex Toth would have encouraged everybody to do. Find your own way to do things. Um, and that, that's what I try to do going on. I hope at my age, I'm trying to figure, I, I figured out like what I want to do just for me and myself. That's what Absolutely. all of us artists should try for anyway. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so please tell us the, the name of your show. It's called Alex Toth in depth. Because Alex Toth in depth. Yes, we do indeed go very in depth, and people can uh, see uh, daily uh, posts about uh, Toth's work at Alex Toth in depth uh, on Instagram. Um, there, I will let people know about new episodes, so you can download the podcast at any uh, app you use for podcasts, and then all the video versions of that show um, are available on YouTube. I would also recommend, if people are interested in Alex Toth's work, is to find the Jesse Ham's uh, Gumroad page. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesse passed a couple years ago too, but has wrote really well about Toth. And there's a $5 PDF available there and the proceeds go to his widow. Um, so you can find that. It's called Ham on Toth and it's well worth it. It's one of the best things I've ever come across. Um, and, uh, and don't forget to go to tothfans.com. There's still stuff up there. Uh, and the Toth archives, you can find the Alex Toth archives and there's pretty much everything he's ever done is there. It's fairly complete. So there are a lot of resources and I do have 
Um, I'm editing currently a couple new episodes with more guests, and I think people will be uh, interested in these upcoming uh, episodes as well. I do them as I can and uh, uh, subscribe and uh, listen and watch, and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on and glad to have you back anytime to talk Toth or comics or uh, current projects or upcoming projects or any of those things. Great. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jason.